My guest today is Chet Lamba, who is a seasoned digital product and tech leader serving on the executive team at Smooth Commerce, with previous roles at IBM and the App Lab. With over a decade of experience and the launch of more than 80 digital products, his specialty is creating strategy and momentum for execution on the development of software products, despite legacy systems, budgets, and operational hurdles. From consumer-facing native mobile apps to large-scale back-end deployments, Chet has drawn on his impressive experience to ensure execution is always possible. Chet is passionate about innovation, so we've talked about how AI, VR and Web3 will disrupt the product space. We also touched on managing a team as well as what it takes to grow a career in product and become a product leader. Whether you're a team manager looking to develop your team or a product manager who wants to get promoted, you'll get some insights into what an executive like Chet expects from his team. Welcome to Product Perspectives, the podcast for product people that gives a voice to their stakeholders, hosted by Magali Pelissier. Each weekly episode shows you the other side of the product with interviews of the people who contribute to making products a success. They are engineers, writers, marketers, support analysts, UX designers, or even salespeople. Not only will they get the credit they deserve, but they will share their perspectives on what makes a good product and product manager. Stakeholder management is a key skill for product managers. So just as you're obsessed with listening to your customers, let's hear from your stakeholders. Thank you very much, Chet, for joining me today in this podcast. Thank you for having me. First, talk me through your journey. How did you end up in product? A lot happened over the last 15 years, obviously. So I did my studies in computer science. So I've always been a technology mindset guy um, and uh, did my project management, product management certifications, went to work for a lot of exciting young companies and startups, as well as big corporations like IBM. So I spent about good seven years just tasting both the worlds, startup world, as well as big corporate world. And then, you know, startup world pulled me in a way that you obviously can do a lot when it comes to flexibility, when it comes to experimentation, when it comes to learning and failing and and, and so on and so forth. So after experiencing those two things, when I first moved to Canada over a decade ago, I started working for one of the top three software companies in downtown Toronto, where, where I got my hands dirty in a lot of different things. And product management turned out to be a winner for me because that's where you could, you had a lot of authority, you had a lot of decision-making, you could influence a lot of strategy on products and so on. So that sort of pulled me and I've always worked with developers and, and programmers and engineers all my life. So managing them and, and working with them also came naturally to me. So, so yeah, product management was a clear winner and, and technology sort of comes with it. So Right, quite an interesting journey. So what would you say are the things that you did not anticipate in that journey? What was the most challenging, maybe? In terms of, like, there's always challenges. Obviously, what you do as a professional, you 
and everybody has different understanding and different definitions of, of their challenges and so on. For me, it was really about learning uh, the people management over the years, working with different kind of personalities, different kind of people, learning their motivations, learning what excites them, what ticks them, how to get the best performance out of people. That was always something that I wanted to throw myself into. And over the years, it just came naturally with my roles and the uh, parts that I've played in different company journeys. So I think people management is is something people don't talk about a lot, but people management is is the trickiest part. As far as your hard skills go, if you're a good product manager, you can do product management, hard skill related things very well. And if you're a good programmer, for example, and and you can manage the development team at the same time, those things are hard skills, but the soft skills are the ones that are the challenge, uh, most challenging one for me personally. And that's where I'm constantly learning. I'm, I'm a lifelong learner in terms of my mindset and how I operate. So I would say I'm still learning, but that has been the most challenging piece for me over, over the last decade or so. Great. And we will get back to the soft skill side and developing people and creating building teams. But let's first focus on those maybe hard skills. So as you said, you started in engineering and you have transitioned to product management. So was there anything in particular that you had to learn? Was the training enough that you said you had your product certification? Or was there something else that you needed to learn to make that transition as smooth as possible? Both, because training obviously gives you the foundational pieces of uh, starting in any any profession, but it's when you get your hands dirty. So I did have to learn a lot of things when I was working. So right from writing user stories and acceptance criterias and how they can be written in a thorough and a detailed fashion for engineers to work on um, and all the way to developing a very sharp eye for UX UI. Because as a PM, you always are responsible for the end-to-end delivery of a functionality or a feature or a module or even entire product as you grow up in your career. Those things come with time, come with experience. The more you expose yourself to learn those things, the better. You obviously have to be in the forefront of all the new technologies and new ways of doing things. And I still remember, you know, Google rolling out their design sprint. And then you have all these terms popping up in the industry, left, right, and center. And then you want to make sure that you are in forefront of learning those things and be ahead of the, the competition in a way. So yeah, the short answer is no, the training was not enough. And, uh, and we, I had to get my hands dirty in the real world to basically to get to where I am. Right. And you did it very well because then you led a product team and now you not only lead the product team, but also the engineering team. So back into product and entering together. It's not something that all companies do, having one single leader for both engineering and technology. What do you think a good reason for having that set up or when should companies not have this and should really separate the two functions? That's a great question. And I think the, I'll, I'll give a gray area answer, which is, it depends obviously in your, on your business case, on your team size, on the people that are at play and things like that. At the existing employer where I am, we used to have two different leaders, uh, one for tech and one for product. 
but the assessment over the years has been if a one leader is acting for both departments and keep in mind product and tech have a very very close overlap so they influence each other a lot more than any other role would in the organization like finance or hr or commercial those teams are usually you know they have their own business function and they do their thing product and tech are closely intertwined and that's where i think one leader for a fairly small to mid-sized team is probably the way to go as long as your leader can handle both the departments and have understanding of what's happening on the tech and product side both and then as you grow bigger and bigger obviously then you have you know scaled agile frameworks now where you have different value trains different kind of functionalities and, and feature or modules or product lines that are being owned by different teams and different tech leaders you could have one tech and product leader for each product line for example as you grow bigger and bigger so i think it's it depends and again that that would be my rational behind saying that it depends because obviously you can be one leader for a thousand people team but yeah you can be one leader for medium sized team which what i have right now for about 40 to 60 people and you've been doing this so the role of product and technology for the last 10 months what is the biggest challenge your team has faced and how did you overcome it in that time a great question luckily we didn't have any production down issues in the last 3 months however i can recall one of the examples where we were working with a client who was transitioning to our e-commerce platform and we were transitioning them so their volume was going up and up and up there was a feature that was identified that we needed to do in order to make the operations team life easier and that was a very time sensitive exercise and we worked did all the work we were all the way in towards the end in terms of rolling it out and you can imagine you know hot fixes and and problems showing up at the last minute and and we had to pull in a couple all-nighters to make sure we we deliver on our promise but it's the engineering teams and product teams and design teams who have who have made that work happen so i try to lead by example where i'm i'm standing by their side even though you know i may not be doing anything it's just more of a support and moral support of a, a mindset and as far as managing the stress and stressful moments go i think as a leader when you grow these things naturally come up and you cannot allow yourself to be too stressed out so i personally meditate i personally have a morning routine i make sure that i show up at work with fresh mind every day stand and deliver kind of a mindset and just just basically you know as they say 90% of the the job is to show up and as long as you show up with the right attitude right mindset those things always go over great and there's a word that comes back a lot in your answers which is team and i know you're passionate about scaling and developing teams so looking back at your own career is there someone in particular who has been pivotal in your own developments yes a uh, quite a few people and my ex ceo and the existing ceos or or the main people that i've looked up to i still look up to it's about the great it's about that that mentality of of hustling and making sure things are falling in place and when they are not falling in place be brave and strong enough to 
still keep going through until things are, are in your favor and so on. So that's what I've, um, I've always inculcated in my philosophy too and the way I operate. Because at the end of the day, no company, no business, no is, nobody is perfect. So it's always is that pro, pros and cons and give and take. And, and I try to focus on positives, then negatives, obviously. So as long as you keep your mindset in check and make sure that you're learning from the people that are around you, no matter where they are in their career, you just want to make sure that you are you're not the smartest person in the room most of the time. So that's what I try to lead with in my day to day. And, uh, and I would say my, uh, my both CEOs in uh, the last couple of organizations and existing organizations are the people who've been, who have influenced me the most. Right. And how then, if you're trying to apply that mindset to the way you manage and lead your teams, how do you help the people in your team to grow and to develop? What can you do as a manager and what, I guess, can they do to get some help from you to develop their career? Yeah, so I've I've built a trusted group of individuals and in the previous jobs and, and new jobs and that don't, don't things don't, those things don't matter. It's more of the people who are willing to learn, they will learn one way or the other. So when I work with somebody at any level, if I'm managing down or managing up, I always look for somebody who is excited about it. Somebody who's excited to learn new things or excited to get other people's feedback and try to learn and grow from their experiences and professional work that they do a day to day. So for me, again, going back to showing up. So that that is most important quality for me, for a person to actually put their hand up and say, okay, I need help or I need assistance in this area, or I want to pick your brain about this particular aspect, or I want some coaching and guidance from you to learn how to do this, for example, right? So in my career, I've had product managers, designers, software developers, front-end, back-end, DevOps engineers, AI, ML engineers, Web3 people that I'm working with. Everybody has different set of requirements and what they're looking for. And I'm not saying I'm an encyclopedia by any means. Like I don't know a lot of things sometimes, most of the times, not sometimes. And, uh, you know, Google is my friend. I have a lot of resources that I've bookmarked where I go for when I need a question answered and so on. You can watch a quick 20 minutes YouTube video on a topic and you have at least a general overview of what's going on about that particular tool or service or so on. So as long as it's more of a, I never say that, you know, I know everything and my team and people who have known me and worked with me know that I never say that, but we can together find answers. I can make sure that I spend some time to bring myself up to speed on that subject if I don't know about that subject and then have an intelligent conversation with the person who's looking for some assistance. Great. And I love that honesty. And I think that's what we're looking for in, in leaders is recognizing their strengths and their weaknesses and being able to say, I don't know as well, but doing something about it and, and looking for all those resources to help you help other people in your team. Mm -hmm. So. Talking about those resources that you've got bookmarked or, or that you refer to, what is it? Is there a particular 
blog a particular person, you follow a particular YouTube channel, as you've mentioned, and that you could recommend to our listeners. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so I think we, I helped in the past uh, work with the BrainStation and Product School are two of the good resources when it comes to product management. Um, a lot of SaaS vendors in product management world, like Product Plan, is a road mapping tool. They publish a lot of good articles and uh, and blog posts on different topics as it comes when it comes to product management. And technology people already know, like your Stack Overflows of the world and all the official documentation of all the programming languages or tools that you're working on are the ones that you want to go to. And these are some of the ones. And then obviously, you know, some of the YouTube channels, you can go and, and check out a lot of topics around product and tech. One of the favorite YouTube channels I have is called Eddie Reka, which has full-blown videos on different topics, right from product management to digital marketing to UX, UI to programming languages. And it's for free. It's not even a premium channel. They don't have any subscription. They have full-blown nine-hour, 10-hour courses on how to become an AWS architect, for example. So I, I highly recommend Edurek on YouTube. Great, thank you. And I know you self-educate a lot about innovation topics because you like to talk about AI, ML, VR, and those topics. So we've talked about the resources that you can use to learn more about that. But because you're an expert in that field, what can you say about where those fields are going? Yeah, great question. So as an individual and a human being, and with my consulting practice too, I've always made sure that I personally educate myself to be in the front lines of innovation. And latest ones, obviously, for over the last eight months to 10 months, I've been focusing a lot on learning about Web3 space. You're right. It's a lot of buzzwords. It's a lot of confusion around what Web3 is and Brands are starting to get a little bit more mature about what it is and, and started to experiment with the technology. But it is obviously blockchain-based implementations of, you know, decentralized apps or smart contracts or NFT bubble came and went over the last year and a half. So a lot has happened in the space. And I think now big brands like Adidas and Starbucks and Nike and Disney and these guys are jumping into Web3 now, which is exciting to see. That means it has some legs and obviously it's very, very early. My prediction is this next decade will be about Web3 and Web3 apps and how do we scale Web3 and transition from Web2 to Web3. So I did work on blockchain-based smart contract app for a law firm back in the day when people didn't even know about blockchain. So that was very, very early. That was 15 years early when I worked on it. Now we're in 10 years early, but now at least the brands have started to take Web3 seriously and blockchain seriously. People don't understand blockchain for the most part, and crypto has a bad rap on just being a highly volatile investment asset vehicle. People look at it, but that's technically not the case And that. Probably we can talk about for another hour if you're interested in, but... I'll leave it at that. Web3 is something that is in forefront. And AI ML are in a state where they are pretty stable and mature. We have a lot of real-world use case and utilities out there that use machine learning and artificial intelligence. So AI ML is more stable. AR, VR, again, is very experimental right now. 
so is Web3. Okay, I can see that you're passionate about it. If there's a product manager who is on a standard type of product, you know, which doesn't use this kind of advanced technology, and they're thinking they would want to be a product manager on a machine learning product, what do you think they need to do? Like, does it take a different type of skill? How hard it is to transition to be a PM in that field? It's not very hard, but it's not very easy either, right? Because if you, if as a PM, if someone is used to writing you know, requirements or working with engineering team on a your day-to-day out-of-the-box functionalities and tech, tech stacks, then there's definitely a little bit of learning curve moving into the machine learning product side. And my advice is obviously start with the basics. Learn what artificial intelligence is and machine learning is. What are the neural networks? What are the different models? What is the prediction accuracy and how do you improve that? What is the test data? How do you cleanse the data? Like just start speaking the language of machine learning based products that would be a good start and understanding the fundamental concepts about what machine learning artificial intelligence is. And I think from there, there on the most of the skills, if you're good at it, will be easily transitioned into your machine learning based product, because at the end of the day, it's about logical thinking. It's about thinking the use cases. It's about communicating the requirements well to engineering team working with the design team to design an experience which complements your use case. So a lot of the PM fundamentals, product management fundamentals remain the same in both worlds. It's just the language of a different product and technology stack that you're getting into is something I would advise to get good at before you jump headfirst into a machine learning product. I don't think we're quite there yet with uh, the AI technology, but 10 years from now, do you see that some of the product management activities could be replaced by artificial intelligence? Yes. A lot of the things in terms of product management that that product management teams and designs team do, portion of them can definitely be replaced, if not the whole thing. One example is research, right? Because as PMs, as design teams, when we pick up a problem that we need to solve for, we start with the research. We start with the competition research. We look what's existing out there. How can we make it different than them and so on and so forth. I think that can easily be replaced and some of it is already is replaced. You can go and subscribe to tools where you put a topic that, that you're working on or a problem statement and, and they start giving you consolidated view of what that total addressable market is and what are the different metrics when it comes to that particular problem and the, and the market. And then now I ran into a couple of tools recently that actually give you piece of codes, depending on what program logic you are writing. And you can say how to write tables in Swift and iOS, and then it'll give you that plus Android Kotlin and it'll give you backend and PHP, like different ways and different programming languages of writing those things. So some of it is already there. We work in a hybrid world right now where we do leverage AI-based systems and, and technologies to do our job. But for full replacement right now, I cannot predict that, that that's going to happen over 10 years. Maybe in a longer timeline, yes, 
but not over 10 years now. Great. And uh, I wouldn't mind having uh, some help from AI to do all the competition analysis and market research, because as much mm -hmm. as the output is interesting and we have to enjoy the journey, but it is quite time consuming. It needs to be done frequently. And that's not happening, I think, frequently enough because of time constraints. So any help on that would be deeply appreciated indeed. <laughs> Great. So actually, you've mentioned that there are already some tools which can do that. And actually, to prepare this interview, I decided to test an AI tool, which automatically I put your job title and it would give me eight questions that I could ask you about oh, wow. your job. So I used that for the interview and I thought, you know, for inspiration purpose. And yeah. I thought the questions were quite decent. If I think about user research, there's lots of tools that can take notes automatically. And I've seen how many researchers still typing word for word what the users were saying. Do you think we leverage enough the existing technology? And if not, what could we do to bring more technology to help us in product organizations? So you're right. Even though from the outside company can be viewed at as innovative company or you know technology company but we probably are not using enough technology tools to make our life easier we still are relying on google sheets google docs and writing manual notes for example so definitely there's room for this kind of technology to coincide and coexist with with what we do day to day we do have a lot of big corporations and big techs and big banks and so on that have been existing for quite a while and they didn't have those tools early in those days and they have they are set in their ways of doing things so change is always hard obviously so rolling out a new technology or a new product or a new tool to your team might be easier in a smaller setting where you have young company and a smaller group size but in large corporations where people are doing certain things certain ways for years, it's really hard to get a big group of people to adopt a new technology or a tool. So yeah, it's a great answer, but I would I would think there, there's room in a short uh, in short answer. Great. So if I think about your role heading this technology and product organization, so you said there's a role of developing your team, there's a role of supporting people as well. Is this also like, you know, bringing new innovative technology uh, that could help your team? Do you see this as it needs to be driven by the leadership team? Or if there was a PM, for example, who saw something, would you take that initiative and move forward with it? Where do you see that this should be coming from? Yes, definitely. I think that's what you want. You want your team, you want your people to take initiative, right? And your responsibility as a leader is to support them. And that's the philosophy that I, I bring into my day-to-day -day as well. And in terms of scaling teams, yes. So I've had quite a few opportunities, what, which I'm grateful for, to actually be in those shoes where in one of my organization in previous roles, I was the sixth or seventh hire in the team. And by the time I left, we scaled the team to over 100 plus people. And I repeated that with this role here. So it's just... Uh, mindset of okay you know what empower your people trust them evaluate their skill set in terms of where they are in terms of them contributing to the product and the company and um, in my this role that i am right now most of the tools and the and the products that we're using 
were recommendations from our team. And the more the team is self-sustaining and they're, they're self people who take their self-initiatives, that's what you want to see and support. And obviously you do want to have oversight and make sure if you know of a better tool or a better service that you point them towards that direction, ask them to do some competition analysis, you know, do your pros and cons list, go to Gartner, go to all these resources, search about those tools, what they bring on to the table. And depending on what the need we have, we can subscribe to those tools. So definitely the way to go, you can move the mountains by yourself. So you not need your people to step up and, and you support them where it's appropriate. So have you got, for example, in your organization, a product operations team that could also facilitate that? Because if I think about the product manager who's got a great idea and wants to bring a new tool, you talked about board mapping tools, you know, as an example. That is quite a lot of work to take on. And I do agree that product managers should be involved in that. But that's a big piece of work, right? It has been a lot of different modes that we have operated in over the last few years and in my previous roles. So I've seen all different kinds of models and team makeups that we have done over the years. The recent one right now we have is three product managers, three UX UI designers, and then a full-time scrum master. And a lot of time in product management world, we think we can operate without scrum masters, but when you realize you can't, you have to go, you know, secure that person again. So Scrum Master play a huge role in maintaining the productivity of the of the sprint and sanity of the sprint and follow the agile, do the ceremonies and things like that. So that's absolutely, absolutely important. We do not have product operations staff or a department or a, anything that we have named as such. We did go through some iterations for the team around at one point, we also added a PMP certified traditional project manager, thinking we can handle all these software projects, mini, small, medium size, regardless of the size of the project we thought we could handle with a, maybe a traditional project manager, because maintaining a Gantt chart is not part of the job description for a Scrum Master, for example. So we have gone through different tests and experiments to find the nice rhythm and the team makeup that we have today. And then we just call it you know, product team, like there is no fancy word for it. It's just product and team. And then there's a tech team. Right. And I like your use of the word experimenting because you said you we've experimented with different people. Do we need a scrum master? Do we not? And I think that helps a lot of a mindset of a product manager, right? To experiment mm -hmm. and yes. to test things out and just being open to say, well, this worked, this didn't work. And we've learned mm -hmm. along the way. I like to have in this podcast, someone who is close to you and who is a product manager asking you this question. So let's hear from this product manager in your team. Hey, Chit, what would be your advice for product managers who wants to advance in their career and master their craft? That's a great question, Hibin. Thank you for asking. My advice to product managers usually is to go deeper in the product itself first, wrap your head around use cases, know all the connected tissues on the platform or the product or software that you're working on, have a very sharp eye uh, for user experience and user interface designs, because that's the skill product managers bring onto the table write great documentation, user stories, acceptance criteria, et cetera, including negative test cases that a lot of product managers miss when writing acceptance criteria. 
and then have that overall big picture mindset in terms of what you're doing as a product manager, how it adds up to the overall strategy of the product, what would be the commercialization for it, how would you communicate to the world that what you have built, what is the value proposition for it, and so on and so forth. And then since it's a technical world thing, my advice is always to be a little bit technical, even though when you're not taking some online courses, learning about API documentations, especially when you're working in a, in a software product where, where integrations are required, it's really important that you can at least intelligently read API specs for an integration partner, what a post call means, what a get call means, what are the parameters and payloads that are shared between two systems, so that at least you can frontline the conversations with the integration partner and be in the driver's seat when it comes to working on your software product, because that really matters when you're dealing with outside parties. And I think the more you do it over time, these three, four skills, you rinse and repeat, you go and and work on different use cases, different industry and unique products. And the more you do it, you start naturally becoming somebody who everybody goes to, your go-to, the go-to person. And then eventually, you know, career progression comes with it. Thank you so much for sharing this insights, Chid. It was very helpful. Thank you. So I like to end this podcast with some fire questions. I'm going to make two propositions to you and you choose one of them. So the first one is startup or enterprise? Startup. Engineering or product? I would say both. That's an easy answer, but okay. Yeah, obviously, because you lead uh, both teams. You don't want to alienate anyone. <laughs> yeah. And then the both are close to my heart, so I can't really pick one. Google, Amazon or Meta? I, I do have another company. Those, those are not on my list of being most innovative, but I think for me, where we have real world application, I think Tesla is number one for me in terms of them really being that technology company around making you know self-driving possible. Great. Thank you very much. So what I'd like to do at the end of the podcast is for you to give one final piece of advice. So I'm thinking if I were a product manager listening to this podcast and I want to manage up effectively people like you, you know, my chief product officer, my chief development officer, and I want to impress them to be noticed and get that promotion, what should I do? Two things, go deeper on the product as much as you can and wrap your head around all the business logic, how your product works, what are the feature set, et cetera, which will do the second thing that I'm going to say is become a go-to person in the company about the product. Once you have those two things, when everybody is saying, oh, I got to go to Magali to get the answer on this, that increases their value to the business and the organization and you know, promotions and money and everything is usually a byproduct of all that. Thank you very much. So if people want to carry on the conversation with you, either about product, either about innovation or another topic, what should they do? Can they contact you? Yeah, definitely. I'm very active on LinkedIn. That's my preferred choice of professional networking. So I'll give you my 
LinkedIn uh, link to be posted. Perfect. Well, thank you very much for taking the time. I've learned a lot about your journey into leadership beyond product, so including technology, how to learn about innovation and how a product manager could transition into such product and what product managers can do as well to move up the ladder. So thank you very much. I hope it's been useful for our listeners as well. Thank you very much, Magali. I hope this was helpful for your audience and I look forward to staying in touch. Thank you everyone for taking the time to listen to this podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it with your friends and colleagues and rate it on your favorite podcast platform. If you have suggestions for topics and guests or any feedback, you can write to magalipelisi at hotmail.fr.